0: Happy holidays, humans, and welcome to episode 35 of the Human Music Podcast, Seta Pushes Past the Limit. Today our guest is Seta. Big shouts to him for being super chill when I repeatedly mispronounced his name as Seta, but now I know, and y'all know going in. Um, today we talk about emulating your heroes, music in the time of coronavirus, and creating a music fan community among many other awesome topics. Uh, Our sponsors for this episode are Producer Dojo, the best place to learn music production online, The Approach with Seth Drake, where you can learn to mix like the masters, and Gangaroo Records Music Distribution, home of unlimited distribution for under $10. All those links are in the show notes below. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Human Music Podcast.
1: Hello, people of Earth, this is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the, uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo!
0: Hmm, Human Music Podcast. I like it. what's up humans how are you guys doing today we're back with another episode of the human music podcast i'm trap jesus also known as luke rain currently repping my kangaroo gear what's good y'all because i just want to say i'm about to put out projects on kangaroo music distribution Ooh. so holler Ooh. at me about that you know what i'm saying Got. A, I'm going to have my Trap Jesus tape out, Mary Trap Smith, so you can listen to all my Fire Trap Christmas beats, my favorite hits. Oh. But uh, That's my little plug at the beginning here, but without further ado, today we have the one, the only, Sita on the show. What's
2: good, bro? Say What's hi up, to everybody? the people. How y'all doing? What up? <laughs>
3: No, 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 no,
2: no. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's up, everybody?
0: Yeah, man. Hey, man. We're feeling good, feeling great, man. You look like you are, too, man. Got to give a shout out, man, to one of the cats with even more epic beard than I got. You know what I'm saying? You, You're <laughs> getting vicious over on that side, man. You know, I know winters are, are cold out there. You in Montana? Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. That's yep, what's uh, up, man.
2: It's cold, man.
3: Bro, is yeah, your studio man. in like a lot like a cat like a log
2: cabin or something? Yeah, my house is. My house is like a yeah. it's, it's got like walls and logs, yeah. like logs for the outside, the exterior. That is so sick, dude. Yeah.
3: I love that. It's such <laughs> a vibe. It's such a like a cozy vibe. It's pretty good
2: for the acoustics and everything. Too, yeah, I was
1: gonna say, yeah. does that help like not having like parallel walls, yeah. like
2: perfect parallel walls? I think it diffuses it a little, you know, because it's like yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean I don't. I don't have much to compare it to because I moved in. Like, I mean, I had a few other like bedroom studios, but like, you know, it's it's. I, I like it. <laughs> it works. Nice.
1: How I are mean, things out about where you're at currently with the whole you know pandemic situation? Not to date the episode, but <laughs> this um, is what it is.
2: <laughs> I, it's not like right now. It's definitely like a little crazier than it has been. We we got hit later, um, mm. but I, th- I think we got hit later because a lot of people were like oh, Montana is, like, safe to go to. So we had, like, an influx of tourists come in. And then, like, um, yeah, I mean, like, after, like, Sturgis and stuff, too, you know, like, which is, like, one state over. So, like, we just had, like, a lot of people come through, and I think that that's a big reason, and students coming back to college. But other than that, like, I mean, it's it's been, I would I would I'd like to think, like, somewhat similar to everywhere else. It's kind of sucks. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for what it is, you know, at least, I feel people are getting creative now with, with what they're doing musically and like how they're going about doing shows and, you know, making income. But like, I feel like it's pushed creativity further a bit, which is like a nice bright side of it, I guess. But yeah, I definitely like everything has taken a hit overall.
3: Dude, I was like, to that point, I was actually reflecting the other day on like, um, like, my current position in the, in the music ecosphere and actually how I'm like relatively thankful for my, my position just because I saw um, one of the OG Seattle crew who had gone down to Icon Collective um, making like house music, tech house and stuff. Like had a, like a release with AC Slater, was starting to take off, had like a tour booked for the whole year like all of 2020 like on the road like she was killing it and um basically she was on the precipice of like blowing up and then it just got, all got stripped from her and she posted how um basically how much of a toll it took on her mental health and I was really feeling for her because fuck if I wouldn't feel the exact same way I mean like all of us are starting to build traction, obviously, but we're not at the point where we got a full, like big tour ripped from us. Um, And I think that it is really, really unfortunate for those who were on the precipice, got that ripped away and then all their steam is lost and they feel kind of out of it. Like the motivation to put the same amount of work in is gone. And there's going to be a lot of people that like just kind of, shelf it or at least are not going to put the same word <laughs> they were just because they feel like it's not going to happen or not to happen the same way. So being on just the precipice of the outside, being able to build up steam during this time and then when things get back to normal whenever that is, be poised to actually jump on that and really make a splash. Um so there's definitely there's there's silver linings for some and fucking real hard times for others. I mean hard times for for everyone really. But mm-hmm. you know, I always like to try and think about the bright side of things. You know.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you to how's uh, how's like music been going for you? Like especially during these times, have you have you been trying anything different either like from the promotion side um, or. Just like creatively, have you had any breakthroughs through just like having this time to, to work on tunes?
2: Um, for me, like I started off uh, the, the Corona like lockdown thing. Um, there's a producer, his name is Shishi. He's like kind of a pop world music producer. And like he held this like Corona creative challenge. And, um, you know, it was like a six tracks in six weeks thing. And like mm-hmm. that kind of like boosted things right from the start for me creatively. And I think from there, like, I mean, it, for me, like, it's, it's been, a, it's been like, like, he, like, like you know, it's, it's a silver, there's a silver lining for me. It's been great because I've been, have had the time to prime myself for when this is all over and things like that. And I've, I've definitely um, been taking the mo or, you know, taking advantage of it making the most of it. Um, yeah. I, I, what was the other part of your question? I'm sorry. Like,
1: I was just wondering, like, you know, given that we have a lot of time now to like work on stuff, have there been any things that you've or any like realizations that you've had during this time, whether it's like from the promotion or community side or whether it's from the writing side that you, you've like taken away? That's like influenced, you know, either the way you're going about getting your music out or your I actual mean, I, sound.
2: I feel like that that's happening all the time. I feel like it would be happening if it wasn't locked down or not. Like, I feel like Mm. I'm I'm like real having realization, like the way I like to look at it is that it's like a puzzle and certain pieces don't fit for you right away. But then over time you find where they fit and then they make sense to you. So it's like that shit's making sense to me all the time. And, you know, I'm having these epiphanies and these breakthroughs I feel like all the time, you know? And so it's like, um, was there more because of Corona and I've had time to like, really like focus probably because I've, I've, you know what I mean? I've like, it's given me an excuse to not go out, you know what I mean? Or do anything, you know, not that there's a ton to do in Montana, but you know what I mean? Like, this is a great place to focus anyways, you know? Um, yeah. it's a great place to not have distractions and be like, you know, I, I, I want to get, get down to my craft and really hone it. So
3: okay. I feel, I feel the exact same way about Ben. Like I moved yeah. here from Seattle and there's just like, I have everything that I like to do activities wise, like super close to me. And then other than that, there's really not much going on. So I'm pretty much activities, hanging with the girl or making music. And that's pretty much all I would want to be spending my time doing anyways, obviously hanging with friends and stuff when when it happens. But um, yeah, honestly, kind of separating yourself from the rat race, I've found to be really successful for at least the way I go about things. You know, everyone's different. Um, but I, I really like
1: that. yeah, it's it's kind of funny because it feels like, oh, I'm missing out. I'm not in the big city where everything's going on, but like it can kind of hold you back in that sense. Um, but one thing I was thinking too uh, before we get too deep down the rabbit hole, maybe for uh, our listeners that you know haven't heard you know what you do, you want to go into a bit of like what inspires you, what kind of music you write.
0: Yeah, sure. give us like that first. Give us that like superhero origin story as we're getting into that. Like, where does Seda come uh-huh. from? What um, know, what does it mean to you? And and why this project? How to come about?
2: Uh, I'll give like a brief. You know, I'll try to go very quickly. You know, the elevator pitch version. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Seda is the Farsi word for sound. Um, it's my dad's Iranian, so he speaks Farsi, and uh, it kind of just you know came came together naturally it wasn't like that first way back in the day when i dj'd and i didn't really produce too much i was like um like uh reza on colors or something like that like and then this was like eight years ago and then i had a long hiatus where like i was mixed up in some you know like not the best shit in life addiction and stuff like that and after getting through that shit i came out the other end and i was like what am i gonna do and i started focusing on music again i just kind of got back into it and i started like really thinking about what kind of name i want what's like represents me and that's how i came up with the set of thing excuse me the set of thing and um uh from there like i don't know like it the, uh, the the logo and stuff was kind of just random and like originally I had no clue what I was going to do. It wasn't like the Sega. I did not make that connection right away. Mm. <laughs> other other people did for me, and I was like, "Cool, I'll run with it," you know. Um, but I'm I'm I make experimental bass music. Um, at least that's what I like to call it. I don't really follow a tempo or a key or any weird shit. I just like to do whatever um, sounds sounds right. I guess you know. Um, While keeping it professional, that's what I'm trying to do, <laughs> that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, uh, but um, yeah, like, uh, I'm 31, man. I'm originally from the east coast, uh, I'm originally from DC, uh, Virginia area, and then um, I moved that's out here, the DMV. yeah, yep, yep, um, Virginia, and my mom's from Maryland, and my, my grandma's from DC, so that whole area, and then um, I moved out here to Montana uh, three years ago or so now. I met Tyson, Nintendo, and um, yeah, like just got into the scene out here, and I started producing and making this this, this bass music. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah, great, what the scene
3: like out east? Is there like a big bass music scene out there? Or Cause I, yeah. I know that I know that there's a house and techno scene. I'm not... Oh
2: yeah, yeah. No, they, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you.
3: Oh, you're good. I was yeah, I was basically going to let you take it
2: away. Like, what, <laughs>
3: what kind of scene is there for bass music out there?
2: Uh, the east coast is like it, there's a scene i feel like for there for everything um the the bass music is real big now uh there's such an old school vibe like you're saying with the techno and house and drum and bass like jungleists and stuff in montana like i'm not even gonna lie like drum and bass can kill a dance floor here like depending on the crowd you know what i mean hell yeah <laughs> I feel
1: like anywhere in the u.s <laughs> really yeah,
3: honestly
1: really yeah that's, same that's here crazy. in canada
2: see Well, that
3: depends on the crowd, though. Like, if you get the old heads that like listen to breaks and stuff when they were younger, Mm, yeah, the original electronic influence, like they grew up on the Prodigy and shit like that. Like, Mm -hmm. they're gonna dig the drum and bass. But again, like if you play that to like just the standard drunk club, like people are gonna be like, "What the fuck?"
1: Yeah,
2: I think it's song. You're like. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: it's such a weird tempo where it's like if you go halftime the snare is like on the wrong beat but otherwise you're like People you got to be like on stimulants to like yeah. be vibing with that tempo. I, I
2: <laughs> like it.
3: <People> are, no, <laughs> I, I like it too, but like I'll, yeah, it's a dance floor killer unfortunately. They, they don't know how to it. dance to it. They just like don't know how to like vibe at the faster tempo with slower movements yeah. like you've you've had to go to a few festivals and like heard enough drum and bass to like figure that out Lula for anyone even for me when i was like i don't know how to dance to this and i'm like wait i can just like kind of do this kind of thing where you're not really like going ham most people like just start. Yeah.
0: it's funny because for me like I, I grew up a hip-hop head and like my first you know My first introduction to EDM was like house music. And Mm -hmm. I just didn't get it. I was like, what? Just like a kick on every beat. No, there's gotta be a backbeat. It's gotta be funky. Like, I don't understand how to groove to this. And then I heard drum and bass, and I was like, this I understand. That's Mm -hmm. a break beat, but double speed. I can fuck with this. And so I just like, yes, I don't know. I'll just bob my head the exact same and just knock my snare my head up on the snare instead of down. And and I just got it, you know? But you know, I get it. Everybody's got their own style, you know, and uh, you got to just stay true to yours. So speaking of that, like you said, experimental bass music, you know, what kind of sounds influence your version of experimental bass music?
2: Um, some artists that like really inspire me are um, G. Jones. Um, Sayer is a huge one for me. Um, I really like Ableation a lot. Um, yeah, like... Uh, I'm trying to think Zeke Beats is a big one for me, E-Prom of course, uh Shades, you know, Alex Perez is awesome. She is dope. Um yeah, man, like those are those are artists that I like, but like like I noticed like early on that like trying to emulate like what I like never came out, right? You know, so like I wouldn't even say that I sound like those guys. You know, because mm-hmm. if I tried to sound like them, it would just it would sound it would sound fucked up in my opinion. It so like
3: it's so true. Every time I like start a beat and then I'm like, "No, I want it to be I want it to be more like Nero, like dark and epic." Mm-hmm. You just fucking you just destroy the song. You you just you just lose the original intent so. of whatever you started with by trying to be like, "No, I want to do it more like." But I think it's also a good thing in a sense.
1: So not to cut you off, sorry. But oh. I was just going to say like so many people come to like sessions where they're like stuck with the writer's block or something and it's like yeah literally try to rip off a try like everybody wants to be unique and original and whatever and i and i get that but it's like once you realize that even if you tried your hardest to rip off this artist is not gonna happen it like opens up a whole nother world because it's like Okay, cool. I don't have to come here with like this well thought out plan or know exactly what I'm gonna do, but I heard this song that has a sick intro or it has this sick part in the drop. Let me try that, and then that sparks the whole thing,
2: sure, yeah, yes. it's a great great way for inspiration.
1: Don't use it as inspiration
0: about, uh, that's what I love about doing that like arrangement exercise that they teach at the dojo where it's like you know you you come at this song and I'm gonna make a song like this, but it's not you don't end up making anything like that song you like you copy the tempo and the general arrangement like this is how long the intro is and this is how long the drop yeah. is and like you know okay it's got a you know it's got a halftime backbeat uh, and a swung groove like and you copy those like underlying properties of the track but then by the time you like start pulling sounds in and anything that could be you know like the face or anything memorable about, memorable about the song ends up being completely yours anyways.
2: 100%. Yeah, like, the a great, like, I mean, just the, all you need is the kick and the snare. Like, if you just drop a reference track in, the, in your project and just map out the kick and the snare of the whole track, that's all you need. Like, if you have the kick and the snare and you can see where the builds are, where the drop is, you know what I mean? All of that shit, you can fill in the blanks and you can use the track as a reference. But like you said, it, if you, if you, try to emulate what they're doing, it's going to come out so different anyways. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've yeah. been through that. It sounds like y'all have been through that
3: too. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I really think... I, I, I actually really like that, by the way. Like, just putting in the kick and the snare because it gives you a bit more of a... It gives you more of, like... the a blueprint. The, the the blueprint of the groove, too. Like, where the ups and downs are um, and, like, how you're going to dance to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think it's really important after you get your basic idea in or, like, really once you get like the arrangement mapped out, you got to delete the track. Otherwise it's just human nature to get stuck and go, what did they do? And what you've put in already and what they had likely aren't the exact same enough for you to also add exactly what they added. Right. So you, you end up kind of chasing yourself down the wrong path if you, you copy that reference too much. So I always say load the track in. Don't, I mean, you can label it intro, breakdown, drop, et cetera, but I, I prefer to label it like drums cut out, high-pitched synth starts rising, rhythmic drums or something, like for yeah. a section. And then like high-energy, one-bar synth, like call and response, uh, two-bar turnaround or something like that in the next section. And then you have like a a more feel-based... Way to fill in the gaps rather than just like an enigma of drop, you know yeah, yeah that totally. makes a
0: lot of sense, giving yourself like those basic guidelines, just knowing that like there's this kind of groove happening, and then like for three of the four bars, we've got like this rhythm with synth A, and the turnaround is synth b, and like just knowing that like that's the general vibe you're giving the listener. And then taking it wherever your mind and even more importantly, the sounds you have on hand are going to go like, because you got to follow what the sounds you actually have can do and can do well. You got to let them tell the story for you.
3: Yeah. Speaking of sounds. So where where do you generate most of your sounds for your projects? And like, do you start with like a mud pie or do you pull up some presets that you've made or start tweaking other presets? How do you go about it?
2: Um, I took definitely a combination I do mud pies um, they're like you know every every like you know maybe a couple months I might do one you know or something I get like a good hour long or more recording and then I take that recording and I'll run it through granular shit I, I record it for my mode and then I and then I'll take that and chop it up the shit that I like then run that through granular shit and then re record mm-hmm. that and re record that, and like just you know find the shit that I like until I have like 20 samples so are solid that I can just grab from um that's like how i do my like that section of it but a lot of it like a lot of my sound design is like well it's just like resampling other people's shit like i mm-hmm. like i i like i love just taking other people's bases and chopping them up with an eq and carving them out and just layering it with shit and then i took this one sound with four sounds and now it's one sound again and then like like that's like where i get a lot of my my stuff It's really just i work with i love working with audio Not only just because my computer is a piece of shit, but, (laughs) but I love it. Like it's just like, it's like, it's, it's uh, freeing to me, you know, like no tinkering.
1: (laughs) I feel like when you first have that realization of working in audio or like when you first begin as a producer, there's almost like this hesitancy because you feel like you're limiting yourself and like, Oh yeah. Look, it's a synth. It's powerful. It's cool. But like when you fully embrace audio, I think, it, it like clicks when you start going to shows and you hear this crazy ass sound design before, like, at least my mind would be thinking of like, Jesus, I can't even imagine like what sort of LFOs and filters yeah. and mapping they did. And it's like, oh, everybody's just out here making happy accidents and just like resampling until it sounds sick.
2: Dude, uh, Mr. Bill just said on um, Taboo's podcast. It was like I asked. I asked Taboo. Tab, Tab, was like, what? What question should I ask him? And I was like, ask him about working with Tipper. And he asked him, and he was like, well, the one thing he took away from it is that Tipper goes in there, and it's not like. It's not like Dave knows, he's not building these crazy sounds with these LFOs and like all these crazy different effects. He's going in there, he's trying shit out and he's picking shit that he likes, you know what I mean, out of it, you know what I mean? And it's just so happens that the shit that he picks and that he, you know what I mean, that he gravitates towards is what it is, you know what I mean? And like, so like, that's like, I feel like for anybody when you find out or like when I found out that G Jones is just going in there hitting record and turning knobs, you know, making mud pies, like that's what he was doing. I was like, it was it was freeing you know what i mean like it's like you're like oh damn like i don't have to hold myself to this standard you know what i mean like i can sit there and i can just go in there and turn fucking knobs and like find cool shit and the more creative i am the cooler the shit will come out you know what i mean so focus on the creativity you know
0: yeah yeah the skill the skill ends up being in how you set up for creating happy accidents And which ones you choose, and then how you rearrange them in the way that gets people grooving. Sure. DJing
1: in that sense. Yeah, really. Um, But uh, speaking of, you know, these sort of like breakthrough realizations, one question I love asking people, and we've spoken about this before, and you mentioned it before, it seems like every three, four months, there's like one sort of concept that ends up becoming like a focal point of like your writing process and like really changes things moving on like mud pies is a perfect example of that has there been one in like the last few months that you know you've taken and like it's really changed how you work <sighs> that's on the spot um, question i know i
2: mean it's a, and it's like a it's a hard question because i got to think about like So like any, any big things that I'm sorry, can you, can you just uh, send it to me one more time?
1: Yeah. So generally like, it feels like every three, four months, like whether you've been producing for a year or 10 years or 20 years, it seems like, you know, we're always learning and you, every like few months you sort of have this like breakthrough or technique you learn or, or whatever that ends up influencing like the next few months until you like catch on to the next thing. So like for example, like mud pies obviously um or like, you know, finding like different ways to layer stuff or you know, any any like big things that have like influenced your sound recently?
2: Yeah, um like uh I've been really working on my mixes. Um like I focused on my writing the first 2 years cuz I was that's what was good advice that I got was like, hey, you should focus on your writing. So, I just didn't focus on my mixes and stuff very much. You know, I learned as a went. Now I'm focusing on my mixes. The big thing that I've learned recently um, is. Somebody was explaining to me. Wales, I don't know if you know him. He's like a dubstep producer, um, mm-hmm. but like he was explaining to me like like how you look at your EQ and how you how everything fits inside your EQ. And then more specifically, like when you go into something like let's say your vocals are typically you know like they might be the whole range, but like the the vocal part of them is between 700 and 1500 hertz. You know, if you take that away, you can't understand what people are saying. And like like just that as an example. But he he was been breaking it down for me. Like you know your drums will sit right here and if there's stuff in the way you know like those that's been a big thing that's clean that's made mixing easier for me if you can mm. get and, and i'm not talking about like i've seen these charts that are very comprehensive or like very you know in depth i mean like they're very like they're hard to look at and really remember what's going on you need to be you needed to break down into like five sections on your eq and look at your eq like these five sections and where shit sit in there. And then like that, like simplify it, you know, and that's been a big thing for me recently. And looking at it like that, I've, I've, um, I've been able to achieve cleaner mixes and like been able to get things to sit where they're supposed to sit, not really just shooting in the dark kind of using my ears only, you know, which is what mm-hmm. I always do. So that's something yeah, I guess. Love it.
0: Yeah. Ear training so important, but having the concept of generally where to start looking for, either that problem area or that like sweet spot to get something to sit right. is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because you can, you can have that knowledge, but not have the ears to understand what 3dB too much in like the 200 Hertz range sounds like, right. You know, like if you hear that, and someone's told you, if you have mud cut at 400, you might cut at 400 and then like the issue is at 200 and you've kind of miss the boat so having enough background and training to like really know where that is and then have the sense of like after you know what they sound like being having it mapped out along there is is so useful it's one of those things that's like i always thought that mixing was just a math problem and that i could just book learn my way into being a good mixing engineer but as i go I realized that like it's it's one of those things that there's there's just no replacement for time every mix gets a little bit easier because the rough mix gets better like Mm -hmm. as I'm just making the track I hear something that's exactly like that 200 hertz whoo in something I'm like oh just dip that out real quick move on like that little thing ends up like getting you to the stage where you have to mix something down and there's like relatively few issues because you've already you already hear all that stuff along the way right when you don't and you just try to make everything big and loud and then you get to the end and it's just a mess that's when you really have problems and you can't book learn your way out of that you got to hear it and know
0: mm-hmm.
3: i'm really yeah. glad you guys brought up two
1: points and, I, and i'm glad you said uh mixing soda because th- something like i've learned too in the last few months has been a big breakthrough for me is once you learn how to get those clean mixes, how to carve everything out perfectly. And and like you said, Evan, it feels like it's a math problem where you can sort of just like perfectly place things. But then when things sound too clean, then it sounds sterile and it just like doesn't grab your attention. So learning like once you've done all the carving out, like you said, and and the vocals like sitting right and the drums are hitting where they need to be, it's like, okay where can I now make this mix intentionally maybe a bit more uh, like skewed to like the left side for this section or like maybe that's not as common for dance music but also like let's say like dubstep basses when I was doing a lot of dubstep before I would like try and get everything like super clean and then your basses end up sounding like weak because they don't have that grit to them so it's like Mm -hmm. make everything else clean and now distort this one element so you have the contrast of super distorted and not distorted or like not side chaining in my buildups. like that was huge for me realizing that if i back off the side chain as it's like everything is speeding up getting closer to the drop and i drop it back in now i can take this technique that everybody has said like always side chain always Mm. get everything out of the way but it's like yeah 99% of the time but what if you use it as like a contrast of like no sidechain to sidechain then it hits harder so like yeah little stuff like that I feel once you get the mixing down you almost have to unlearn some of these things and it's like okay I've done everything by the book where can I creatively break some of these rules
2: yeah, for sure. Like, I, I re, like I recently ran into that in the track like I was making where I had somebody tell me, like, I, they were like, I was cleaning up the mix, and I was cleaning it up, and I was cleaning it up, and I brought it into feedback, and, like, they were like, this is too clean now, I think. Really is too, I think really you cleaned it up too much, man. You should add some, like, you know, shit back in the low end, and blah, blah, blah. Right. <laughs> like, well, shit. I was like, well, that's, like, and then I knew, that's the first time that happened to me. So I knew I hit like you know what I mean. I knew I hit that level. Where I was yeah. like, okay, well I I I overcleaned it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? like,
1: totally. And so. that's the thing. Like if you listen to someone like G Jones, mixes are phenomenal. Oh, so but good. <laughs> there is definitely intentional grit and dirt and all that, and it wouldn't be the sound that it is without it.
3: It's There's character, really- you know. Some sounds so, exactly. are intentionally ear grabbing, and like sometimes ear grabbing in like a slightly harsh way, but it's like. Sometimes that, like, old, like, really upfront drum and bass, like, they would boost at three and a half hertz because it gave such a sharp edge to stuff. And, like... Kilohertz? It, yeah. <laughs> three and a half. <laughs> yeah.
0: Three and a half hertz. <laughs> just inaudible rumbles.
3: Just create heat peep in the subwoofer <laughs> or to be sweaty. <laughs> um, yes three and a half kilohertz but just because it gave such an edge to things and like you hear that a lot in in people like g jones that you, you're exactly right even though it's an extremely clean mix some stuff still sticks out intentionally um which gives nice contrast right totally yeah there's
1: that great weekly download that that ill gates did link in the description class cool. of 808 shit um, the don't be a basic bitch bootcamp, and and he just went in on that, and it's like there are really cool techniques. Like, um, I don't know. Are you in uh, Ableton, Seda?
2: Fruity Loops. That's Fruity Loops. Hey, cool. All right. Uh, I
1: know, I know. There's a similar plugin. I ju- I'm just been like diving back into FL again. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me right now. But Ableton's got like um this plugin called Erosion, and it's like. This like white noise distortion that you could layer in and it kind of gives you like this pseudo overblown effect. Like you could add it like to a sub and then now the sub sounds overblown, but it's like not clipping at all. Or like you add that to your kick, or you like add a touch of redux to your kick and like give it a bit of dirt, and these things just like subtly stick out and open up like new places in the mix that you wouldn't have really got by just like boosting. Like high end or or cutting out this area or whatever.
2: Yeah, uh, no, I, I feel you. Like I I like have a like because I do I do like very similar things like to my kicks and subs and shit like that. Like um, I have like a like a I like and I know not everybody does this, but like I mix into my master and I clip the fuck out of my drums, like my kick and my snare and Same. like and everything's kept being caught by Maximus. Like I do all like stock mastering pretty much other than filter I mean like, yeah, I do a little bit of that but yeah so like it's easier to get like the distortion and stuff you know like I literally like yeah so so like but I do the same thing basically and just you know having man catch it
1: <laughs> that's such a huge thing too and I'm glad you brought that out like I clipped the hell out of my drums and I realized I could not get that sound that you hear all these artists doing unless you had like, seven db extra to spare to just clip off in the end and like another thing where it's like i hate to introduce this concept too early to people because like you should learn how to do everything clean and then learn to break the rules and make it intentional but it's like i'm so far removed from that idea of like you just write and then you just mix and then you just master it's like write and mix, and then you sort of transition into like mix master, where it's like this back and forth between your mix master, because if you reference finished tracks that are mastered, all of these elements have that compressed and like clipped relationship among each other, and you are just never going to get anywhere close trying to reference that track, like an EDM track especially, bass music dubstep, like especially, with like your, you know, m- maybe mixed on master track. It's just the elements are not going to gel
2: like that.
0: Yeah, your reference is at negative four luffs or negative three or something. <laughs> and you're trying to do all the mixing at like negative 15. Like, I don't know why my bass doesn't sound like that.
1: Yeah, with like 20 dB dynamic range. It's like, yeah, I don't... If I'm doing bass music, I don't even... I run everything into like a soft clipper compressor, just like you said, because its just is never gonna sound proper without it, in my opinion. I don't. I,
3: go ahead. I'm sorry, no, you go
2: for it for sure. Oh, no, I was just gonna say like I actually like I don't I don't I you run all my shit through a multiband compressor. and then mm. and then, yeah, like I don't run I don't soft clip anything. I just I run it through a multiband compressor. I put an eQ cutting out the sides from two hundred down right after it that causes a little bit of clipping and I catch that with a limiter and that's it. Gotcha. So you just
1: clip your drums.
2: Yeah. 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 And like, and and like, I usually keep everything else under zero, you know, like, uh, like, you know, like the basses and everything else, but like my, yeah, to get them to like punch and really hit, like I slam like the mixer channels are all the way up, everything is like up, like, uh-huh. and I, I do some EQing and like like it makes you know like make sure do some mid side control on them and shit. But other than that, like just just like clipping the hell out of them. and picking the right samples, you know, like that's like the most important thing. Huge, yeah. So on yeah.
3: the topic of like making stuff loud and and clipped and compressed, I was actually just talking with Chris. Cryptochronica about whether or not to bounce separate versions for SoundCloud and Spotify, right? Because Spotify um, basically volume matches everything to either 12 or 14, negative 12 or 14 luffs. Um, And so I have an opinion, but I want to hear what you guys think first on whether or not it makes sense to leave the dynamic range in for those platforms because it would sound better loud or do you just crank it to minus 6 lufs and distribute that everywhere
0: it's a really good question uh, and i've been wondering that for myself and i think it really depends on your genre hmm. that's that's going to be my kind of cop out answer cuz <laughs> like if you're making i mean if you're making like pop music or hip hop or something and your general target would be like negative 9 or negative 8 lufs and then you can just like you know, pull back on your Pro L2 or whatever you're using for your final limiter and just like leave everything else in the chain the same, but just pull back on that final limiter and send in a version at negative 12 or negative 14 to streaming platforms through distribution. Um, That makes a lot of sense to me. And really like, you're not really crushing it that hard with the limiter. But then the question always arises to me when it comes to, you know, heavy, heavy bass music like, am I really gonna pull back all that compression? Like Tesco's just mentioning, like when you're referencing, you gotta kind of crush, you know, get to that point where you're crushing things to even see if your if your relative levels are correct for to get that that sound you want. So it's like, would you be served? Would people get that same experience of the track, how it's supposed to feel if you pulled that far back on the compression? in your mastering stage to back, you know, whatever, like, what is that? Like nine luffs. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of distance to come back. And, you know, they're just going to volume match it with everything anyways. Does it make more sense to just go in to where it sounds the best and just allow that to get turned down to volume match with everything, but still have the compression you want or, or pull back. Like, have you, do you guys have uh, any experience like trying it different ways when you're sending stuff into Spotify and, and such?
1: Yeah. How was how your experience set up?
2: Um, so, yeah, like I'm, I definitely think you should make separate. Um, sorry, I got beard in my mouth. <laughs> oh, okay. I just trimmed up right here, right
0: before the podcast. <laughs>
2: That's what I need to do. But um, yeah, no, I, uh, I think that making a separate um for Playmaster and for streaming master is smart i think i'm pretty sure that if you turn the auto volume off though you're going to get the true volume of the track like if if listeners go into spotify and turn off that volume matching shit i think you get the true volume mm-hmm. so I, I really think we should be encouraging people to do that you know and like like listening to music the way it was intended by the artist um but but um i i do think I think that we sh- I think we should be like backing off this loudness wars bullshit. I'm a big proponent of dynamics and like I've I'm somebody who used to smash my shit hard and like and now I'm like realizing that like you can get like loudness with dynamics and not be like, you know, hitting negative like you know, I think wasn't subtronics like plus one luffs in his last shit? is that
1: even possible
2: yeah like some weird shit or plus one I, i'd like you should listen to his his last ep whatever that was it was like there's it was it was, it was it was set a new record everybody was losing their mind over it <laughs> but but you like i don't think it sounds good i'm not gonna lie to you like i don't think it sounds good i think it would sound better if he fucking backed off his shit and like eased up on it a little bit and i mean like i think he's an amazing producer but I just think like there's like how much louder can I get it? How much cleaner can I get it? How, like it's it's I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah.
3: There's a point on, honestly, when you say plus one luffs, I'm like, how could it?
2: sound Yeah, yeah. I mean like oh, I like,
3: like how would that even translate to Check now? it out.
2: Check it out. Definitely check it's his la- it's not the newest one. It was the one that like came out a couple months ago, a few months ago or something like that and um yeah i mean like i've listened to like i've i i use it as a game. i mean squanto you know he gets it really 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 loud and i think his is slightly cleaner you know what i mean but mm-hmm. but i again like i i think it's just a little ridiculous because to be honest with you most people can't hit those hit those numbers anyways so if you're if you're djing those songs you're going to have to turn them down or turn all your shit up you know what i mean so like i i like i go for negative 6 negative 7 and call it a day
0: yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely, that's not quiet by any stretch of the no, imagination um,
2: <laughs> no 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 but it's like you know i'm not i'm like like that's like still to me like loud enough that like you know for the style of music again like you said and that's the the, the base of it all is what are you making you know what i mean like what the hell are you making and what are you going for because you know if you're making like music that you want to like you know impact and be aggressive and heavy you're gonna i think you should push it a little but like you know like yeah i think if there's a line there's a limit <laughs>
0: yeah
3: yeah, I, I, like what you say with the limit like there definitely is a point at which every track you push that limiter like half a db a half a db more and you start to hear that like audible warble and shittiness there's there's always that line in every track that you're working on and so for me what i've what i've determined is that you know basically find where that point is like crank the limiter too far and see like okay what's my upper what's my upper threshold in which i know that it's not going to work past and let's bump it down into the point where it's loud but it still is not distorting it still sounds good but it's like nice and beefy um as far as like the exporting two versions i've honestly i've come to the conclusion that um i don't think it's i don't think it's worth it because all like the styles of bass music at large today, that sound that like you were talking about Tesco, it's just become kind of the bog standard, like sound of heavy bass music to have it like really compressed and everything feels like it's all, it's all pushed up to like the front. Um, And if you back a bass music song down to minus 14, there's just going to be a big difference between elements and everything's not going to feel like it's at the front. So then you're going to have like, even at a volume match scenario. I mean, I do agree. Like people should turn off that setting, but like who does, Mm
0: -hmm. I didn't even know it existed until I was today years old.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so at that point, really you're you're fighting a war that you're probably not gonna win because it's just not gonna sound relative to the other big name artists that they're listening to and and just like in today's day and age you just don't want there to be like a credible difference you want people to listen to your song and then their song and be like oh they're at the same quality threshold which which is all of this, yeah. the, the the gauges that you have right but then also the reason, lots of dynamics would sound good is because at a high volume on a nice sound system the dynamics that you can get of a really punchy kick and then other stuff floating around and getting loud and quiet sounds fucking amazing but let's level with each other who is listening in that environment literally no one like the dead mouses of the world would tell you I'm gonna master my shit at minus fourteen because when I go to play, I'm telling the sound guy, "Turn me the fuck up," and I will make sure that I'm doing everything on my end correctly, and it's gonna sound really good. That is point zero 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 one percent of how people are listening. They're listening on iPod headphones. They're listening off their phone. They're listening in their shitty car stereo or nice car stereo, depending. But like, no one, no one is listening in that scenario. Most people just want it loud. To hear it anyways, right? So, if like your vocalist sits back from the drums and they have it turned down and their fucking shitty, crackly iPod headphones on the plane don't get loud enough to actually hear what they're trying to hear, like you're running into an issue there, anyways. So, you might as well just push it to the point where it starts to sound bad, bring it back to where it's still loud, sounds good. As long as it's louder than minus seven, fucking call it a day.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I used to be very nitpicky about bouncing different versions for everything. But one, it just makes the process take forever. And two, because everybody else is doing it and everything gets level matched anyway, it's all about the relationship between the elements. Like whether you're doing pop or hip hop or, or dubstep or house or whatever, you know, these elements are going to gel together a certain way, like I said, depending on that. And it's like when it gets volume matched anyway, it's not going to have that like ebb and flow between the kick snare sub and all of those like top elements like the vocals and the mid basses and whatnot. So it's interesting. I don't know if I would do it really either for pop or hip hop or that kind of stuff at this point anymore either because I'm noticing even, I mean pop a bit less so, but I notice it trending towards this direction, but hip hop especially, I notice people are like clipping the shit out of their kicks, especially snares, uh, claps, all that kind of stuff. It's getting louder to get the vocal more forward. So it's interesting. I don't think you can really get that sound that the genre requires without it. I would say if you're recording like acoustic instruments, you're doing like a jam band kind of thing, jazz, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Dynamics are going to be awesome. But um, yeah, I think another reason too, like until those pioneer mixers get what Spotify has or what SoundCloud has and they get that auto leveling, I don't think DJs are going to stop. Cause like for an artist like Subtronics, I think it's an incentive to, to get it as loud as humanly possible so that when they play it next to insert other heavy bass music artist who's trying to sound heavier than subtronics he plays his shit and it's like well damn that dude sounds wimpy as hell now because his just popped out at me more and that's like the ongoing battle of heavy music like I noticed it when I was doing metal. I noticed it especially in dubstep, hybrid trap, experimental bass, that whole sort of world. It's just like everybody's just trying to see how far they could push that clipping, how far they could push that distortion until it sounds. I mean, we're at the point now where people are just trying to sound tastefully bad. like, mm. And I love that sound. I love the sound of tastefully bad, but it's just like,
0: Tesco's
1: yeah, next EP, your, your, <laughs> <my bad. laughs> It's actually not a bad name. It's, but yeah, it's like you said, Evan, too. It's like you keep pushing at half a dB and like your last song hits at minus 4.5 and you get used to the sound of that. And now that sounds normal to you, that level of distortion, whatever. So you push it a little more and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it's like just on the cusp. And then you get normalized to that. And then you're like, all right, let me push it to minus 3.5 and like... Yeah, I see how the rabbit hole like just goes.
0: I saw this uh, discussion just the other day on my dude Levitate's Twitter feed where he he, he and some other producers and fans were talking about this. And, you know, kind of the consensus from that thread ended up being like, make your music sound like you. Make it sound good for how you want it to sound as the artist. And that's what really matters. If it like fits with your body of work and it sounds good objectively, rock and roll. It doesn't really matter if it's a negative four or negative six or negative eight. Just like be generally in the range of kind of loud music and go for it as long as it sounds how you wanted it to.
1: I got a question for all of y'all. How often do you think non-producers think about this shit versus producers? No, yeah, like,
2: like, yeah, never. Uh, Yeah, I feel like and I I don't think that they notice like the subtle differences in loudness, to be honest with you. Like the big differences, you know, if it was a drastic one, but going from like negative six to negative four or something, like they probably they might not notice, you know what I mean? Like they might not even like you know tell a difference. But but like something I wanted to say about that in regards to that is that like you know with COVID and everything we're not making music right now to play at shows true you know we're making listening music and and like which is why like i'm a big big huge proponent of narrative and motif and like having a story and like you know and, and, like not just throwing sounds together you know like and and like i think now is the best time to be doing stuff like this and and you can you, know, you can play around with your dynamics because you're making sure for people to listen on your their headphones or whatever it is and you know i mean like people that give like music like serious listening they probably have like a decent set of headphones whatever they are you know and like they're probably like want the experience like i know a lot of tipper heads like you know they're not going to listen to it on some bullshit system like they want to they want like you know and not system but you know what i mean like mm-hmm. reference you know but um yeah, so I think like, I think like right now, like if you, if you want to make something a little quieter, like now is the time to be doing it. You know what I mean? Like, because you're not making shit for support. I mean, I guess with live streams and there are some shows, but mm-hmm. I think like we, sh- I think like in the, and I think this was said in the beginning is that like right now, like creativity is like, like with all the COVID stuff is being pushed and it's being pushed because we're no longer trying to make the biggest banger. You know what I mean? Like, we're trying to like write like, you know, like, something that's like you know vibey and emotional and something that you can get into like you can go into a journey with in your head you know what i mean and like Mm -hmm. you know and i and i think that that's like you know that is pushing creativity you know what i mean like we're moving away from these like minute and a half tracks sometimes which i think i personally think are a little ridiculous you know what i mean like when it's just like this quick intro with there's not really much to it it's an ambience and then a drop and then it leaves like I, i don't know who's done it but i know some people and like i'm just not like that you know, seems lazy to me. To me. <laughs> like, I,
3: so. Dude, I struggle to get songs under four minutes. That's like <laughs> most of the time it doesn't happen. Like most of my music ends up between four and four and a half minutes. Sometimes it's three and a half. Always over three. I unless I'm making like I I can't even. I have no. Ex- uh-huh.
2: I've written two minute tracks. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? But like, I, like the two minutes, two minutes and 30 seconds, there's an intro, there's a build, there's a drop, there's a midtro. There's, 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 there's a build, there's a drop, there's an outro. A you know intro. what I mean? Like, you know, I, liked, oh, I, I, <laughs> I learned that recently and I was like, that sums that shit up real well. Like <laughs> Totally.
1: Man, I think what we're all getting at here, and this is a point I forgot to bring up earlier, but it's even more relevant now, whether we're talking about arrangement or we're talking about, you know dynamics how much to distort clip whatever all comes down to context you don't have to hard pick one or the other it's like what are you trying to make if you have a 10 song project and they're not all hard heavy bass bangers well then that gives you some opportunity to like play with the dynamics over the course of multiple tracks and now it's like you can have those heavy bass bangers that are hitting at like minus one luffs and you can have minus 14 and you can take your listeners on a journey through those tracks and you know use everything like the point we mentioned earlier it's like once you know the rules you can start to like creatively create contrast by breaking or like adhering to that rule
0: hey man amen and I, I I've been seeing a theme kind of come come out of this whole episode where you know we're talking about you know should it be done this way or that way and, and a lot of what we've mentioned is like take it until you can tell you took something too far whether it's like eQing for cleanliness or whether it's volume or whatever you gotta you've got to find the limit by passing the limit like oh I'm I've been hearing clean up your EQs for three years and finally I got, I think you went too clean on the EQ this time, bro. (laughs) Like, okay, cool. I found the limit of cleanliness. Let me dial it back and add some more dirt. Uh, Or, you know, I, oh man, I've been chasing this loudness of this track I love. And now finally I got past it and I noticed that I could hear the compressors and the limiters working too hard. And that sounds not that good, let me pull it back. And then, oh, now it sounds good again. That's where I'm going to leave it. And it's just like when you're EQing something, you, you take that bell up higher than you know it needs to go and you sweep it back and forth across the spectrum until you find the absolute worst frequency in there. And then you turn that one back down. Like you've got to take something too far to really notice that it's too far. And then you can pull it back. It's such a, it's
3: such a useful technique for literally everything. You're yeah. like, did I saturate this sound enough?
2: Let me blast it first. Let me dial, dial it back.
3: That shit all the way. <laughs> and Find where too much really is, and then maybe you're like, wow, I could have turned that up 60 dB, and I, ne- I never would have known. Um, I mean, it's the same thing with like any effects too. Like, turn the dry wet up to a hundred, and then fuck with the settings, and then turn it back down to 15 or whatever the dry wet that sounds appropriate for the effect that you're using uh should be at but it's really almost impossible to find settings that sound cool unique interesting whatever right for the sound at 15 percent you just don't hear the nuance of what's going on crank that bitch up to 100 then fiddle with the knobs then turn it back down or automate it or whatever the the final resting position of that dry wet is but yeah, it's it's one of the most useful tips that I can give someone about applying effects or saturation or limiting or compression. We've been leveling,
2: we've been just
3: leveling totally. like totally. Yeah, yeah, leveling like like turn the turn the sound off and back on, and if you notice that like once you've done that, like oh that's too loud, then you can turn it down and repeat. Or same same going like I like to. Quiet, but
0: I like I like to kind of do it the exact opposite that we've been talking about with leveling, where I'll just take that final fader and turn it back to the bottom after I've messed with it. Like do that where you crank the saturation, you crank and you really change the sound. Then I'll just drop that fader back to negative infinity and close my eyes and turn it up until I'm like, it's not, no, it's too quiet. It's too quiet. Okay, there we go. And then look and be like, Oh, it turns out.
3: That's the level it needed to be at. Now, that's I, so important to close your eyes because you can be like, it was at negative yeah. 12.5. I think when I turn it back up, I'm going to be relatively around there. And then you end up at 13.5. If you close your eyes, it might be negative mm-hmm. 20.
2: I've definitely heard of people doing it both ways. Like I do it from top to bottom. But like I have, I've had mentors and peers that have said that they do it from bottom to top. They turn it low and they work their way up slowly for different things for different tasks so i mean it's it's important finding out like in different and like i said each scenario is different so i mean
0: there's a lot of right ways to do things like i'm sure we all have a (laughs) very different precise mastering chain of like what we run shit through and how we get there but like as long as it sounds good in the end we're ending
2: up in the relatively the same place
0: yeah yeah (laughs) i mean for me the reason i choose to go quiet too loud it's just because loud shit sounds better as we've been discussing with this whole loudness war. it's like it's louder it must be doper. so like <laughs> I know my brain is going to fool itself when you're just like so it's like you you start loud and I keep turning my lead down I'm like no it's sounding worse. Where if I turn it down and I'm like no I need more of it and then I can just turn it mm. up until I'm like okay there it is now it's sitting with the drums you know yeah. as opposed to like having to turn it down like are the drums cutting through yet? <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's also really important to note with compression, saturation, distortion, if you have increased the volume of the thing that you're working on, like group that with a utility or some volume plugin that you can turn it down to when you turn it on and off, the effect and the unaffected are at the same volume, then you can actually AB like, do you like this one more or not? Because like you said, if if you've made it louder unintentionally with the changes that you've made you're going to like it more um but you might be doing yourself a disservice you might be causing yourself problems so you really got to you got to be honest with yourself and not be lazy about doing that and really like ab all of your changes like that
0: yeah Amen. makeup gain is key
3: mm. man um one thing
1: i wanted to slightly pivot the topic to here One thing that's really stood out to me about you, Seta, is you're very good at creating a sense of community and you have like really good engagement with people online. And, um, you know, I see a lot of people who go about it in the wrong ways and sometimes, you know, end up like getting a bad rep with some people because they end up being too pushy or maybe they're not pushy but they're getting frustrated because they don't know how to actually go about like getting people to care and and i really like that about you because because people are like stoked to be part of your community and we're gonna have a link in the description thank for you. Set aheads, your community thank you but very much what do you think it was about that community and like how did you get it started and then build it up to what it is right now
2: um, so as far as like the set aheads community, like the, the group itself, um, it was a homie of mine. His name is Nicky Nicholas Reynolds, and he lives in L.A. And um, he's actually like a friend of a friend of mine that we became friends. You know, like through that, like we know each other online more. We've hang, we've hung out in person, but just mm-hmm. it wasn't like a very well known person. He started it one day. He I had been using the term set aheads to refer to my listeners um because I was just trying to get the tribal branding going I had you know branding in my mind so I was like I need to start thinking of shit and I was just like new track coming out set of heads, blah 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 And like and he saw that and just made the group and invited me one day and then he had already invited a bunch of people then I invited a bunch of people and I think I think like like a it was I didn't try to start it which was which was something that I think helped like it grow organically and not just like because I, I see a lot of people that are like Oh well, if this person's doing it, I should do it. And I'm like, I was, I was like telling myself, there's no way you need a group right now. But right before he started it, I was like, you don't need a group because I was seeing people start these groups. I'm like, but, um, yeah, like I don't know, like to get back to it, uh, uh, he started it. Um, it, it, I invited, I had people, you know, in Montana that had been seeing me work hard, and I think that that's important. Is you know, like let it when you are working hard if people see it they see your passion they want to support it in my opinion you know what I mean if they see you're busting your ass they're like damn dude he's doing it you know like like so when it got started I think a lot of people had that attitude and I think they helped out by inviting a lot of people and like it just got the momentum going and then from there it was like I need to make sure that this is a uh, fun what I wanted it to be and and to me like I wanted it to be funny and like I'm I love comedy and like so like I I wanted it to be an extension of that and I and I wanted it to not just be about music. I wanted it to be an extension of me personally, not Seta. You know, like this is like an extension of Reza. So you get to see me behind Seta, you know, which is different than me, you know? And Mm -hmm. um and and so I and I have pissed people off. I know you mentioned that, like, like I have pushed people away. People like listeners even, not listeners from my music, but I have had people be like, I love your music and stuff, but you know, I don't like your group, you know what I mean? Because, because I would deny their posts or something, you know, but like, but that's how I keep the quality and that's how I keep the content like relative and it not be hateful and all these other things that, that creates a good environment for people to be in and want to invite people. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So like you create this environment, which for me was an extension of me and I using my taste, much like DJing, you know, you use your taste to draw in people, and, and it has to be done through a scope, you know. And if it's not, which which is unfortunately means denying posts and denying people, you know, it's not personal. It's just like you have to be like you have to make shit worth being there, if that makes sense. I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, so. that's
1: that's so interesting that's... you mentioned that because it's it's obvious, I think, from the positive to be like oh people get into this community and it's an extension of myself and they connect with me more but when you said that about people getting upset about their posts not being accepted that was like a light bulb moment for me because i'm like oh yeah no shit like from the opposite side it's like well first off as humans we're just seeking connection everywhere and like when you get to connect with somebody that like you know i mean i guess being an artist I'm like yo we ain't shit but like it seems like you know artists are like they're so busy they're so like in demand it's so hard to be personable with them that like when you get that opportunity it's like you know it's it's really cool for a lot of people and so the same way people can attach to you and and, and like your music as a result of connecting to you as a person i also totally see how somebody could be like oh, I thought me and this person clicked and they would find this funny or they would think this is acceptable or we would vibe on this level, but it didn't happen. And now like, oh, I feel like something about the music too.
2: It happens. And and I mean, like, and especially like with even me, like I'm not fucking anybody and it's already happening. And it's like, yeah, I, I I'm not like, I'm not there to like, I don't know. And I'm not trying to be a dick, but I'm just not there to like, like I'm not there to please like everybody. I'm there just to create an environment for everybody. And this environment is like this and y'all can hang out here and we can, you know, share things and do things. But like, you know, I, I, again, like if I let, if, if there was, if and it's not just me, I have like a good group of, you know, admins that approve shit that I trust their judgment. But if we let all the shit go through, like I don't think people would want to invite people in there you know what i mean certain people too you know what i mean or like or like would want to to go out of their way you know what i mean to to participate mm-hmm. or whatever we know whatever it is so i it's totally. just it's just something that you like it has to be done unfortunately and like i think i, it,
0: I don't think it's unfortunate man i think <laughs> you, got, you you built a house it's got house rules like get your feet off the couch what are you doing we raised in I, a barn like sorry no nah, they don't fly here and and you got to you know you got to You got to keep those rules so that it's respectful for everybody there, not just that one person that felt like their opinion needed to get
2: shared no matter. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I I mean, like they they don't. And I mean, these people, it's not and it it could be something that like me or my team just didn't like find, find necessarily find funny. You know what I mean? Which is like hurtful. But and it's subjective and it's totally subjective. But again, like this is an extension of me you know what i mean like and i'm just trying to like create an extension of me and representing me in a in the wrong way by letting certain things through things that i don't think are funny you know what i mean then it's no longer an extension of me and it's an extension of you you know what i mean which right. it's a two-way street but you know what i mean it's a tricky thing i don't know dude it totally matters.
3: it matters though i honestly think like that is probably a big factor in the success of that group because i like if you let everyone post everything again, it's not it's not your taste that's dictating what shows up. But then also like, when you are a stickler for quality, just like you are with your own music, exactly, everyone is going to be happier with the products, right? If you see a post in that group, and you've seen, like you get the notification new posts in set aheads, and you have seen five shitty posts before that you're like eh, don't need yeah. to, don't need to check that out but if you know that the standard of quality is like i'm probably going to get a giggle out of this out of clicking it, <laughs> like you're going to click on it every time and then the experience for everyone goes up and honestly people that are getting mad about their shit getting denied you don't want you don't you don't care about that man like I if they're gonna yeah. reach out to you, like, oh, I'm pissed. Your new song sucks because you deny. <laughs> you're a salty motherfucker, and you never really had my back, anyways. Like
2: nobody so- has ever said <laughs> anything bad about the music. Luckily, like nobody's ever been like, "Fuck your music" or anything. They've just been, like, and I've had them I'm say, like, rap. "I I still I like your rap. music." Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I like I like your music a lot, but I think your I think your group is. Or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm like, well
3: Can you you run us through that that
2: beef with Trapped really quick? Oh Oh my god! I don't. I mean, like to be honest, like I'm I'm trying to remember. Like they, they. I don't remember what they did, but I just like offhandedly like tagged them in something. And I'm like, I have a, less than a hundred followers, I think on Twitter. Like I just made the Twitter and I saw them saying something like I can't even remember, man, but like I, I, I said something to them and they responded. I couldn't believe that they respond. Like I tagged them in it and they responded and they were like, you know, you, you and your EDM shit, you have less than this many followers. You're not going to amount to anything. And it, and it just kind of like, it went back and forth a few times, but like, that guy those guys will fight there it's all ego it's all no ego no kidding they, you it,
1: started that beef
2: yeah no dude. well no this was before all of that even this was because I, I
1: remember before. seeing a thread of like all these djs chiming in and, and like quoting that like you won't amount to shit and then just like them taking like selfies of like huge crowds they're playing for and then like also like putting a picture of their like tiny ass crowds
2: this was months before that this was like oh my god i have a screenshot because i was like this isn't real and i screenshotted it so i was like just to be like if they ever take this down or something i'm gonna have this so like i I have a screenshot somewhere i can send it to y'all but like yeah awesome, part of that whole thing
3: for me was that trapped with their one hit wonder headstrong like literally they're not like they got they got beefed up over some dude's comment on their twitter and had to respond words of hate on their i remember whatever the post was it was it was bigotry bar none like it was like you guys are fucking idiots i mean the second line is i'll take you on yeah headstrong to take on anyone but
2: like also (laughs) (laughs) i was just saying the whole thing we can all do an acapella real quick
3: (laughs) strong back yourself and therefore you're not worried about the haters but they clearly are maybe because they don't have a hit since that or if they do it uh, it's, it's just all
2: ego man like they're yeah. just like they, they have a God. very big identity like people just, like have, people got that problem with ident- attaching identity to who they are you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. I mean? and there's a separate thing you know what I mean? like like well it's just a weird thing that people get fault they fall into he's a you know a, a Trump supporting like you know the the, the guy who who runs the twitter and the lead singer he's like he's very big into his identity, you know, his identity as a Trump supporter, his identity who knows something that we all are missing, that he sees something that we don't. Any conversation I've ever seen, read from him or had with that guy has always been that, that we're missing something. He tried to tell me that, he tried to tell me and my friend Trip Hazard that life is a competition and you guys are losing. You know what I mean? And I was just like, well, life is not a competition. The fact that you look at it like that is—I mean—it says enough, dude, You know, what yeah. I mean? like that's—that says enough. more about you than it does me. Like fucking <laughs> idiot. So I was, yeah, it's—it's funny. Well, then it's funny because like, and like, I don't—I don't even remember what we were—I was talking to them about. But then, like a few months later, it was like you know, a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden, like Subtronics and everybody's talking to him, and talking shit to him. Like I'm like, I knew this was gonna happen because. He he looked he looks down on the EDM community, you know what I mean, like and he's voiced that before, so it was like a matter of time before he hit some of the bigger guys like Must Die. <laughs> All hell ensued.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how much momentum EDM has picked up because in the, that era, rock was still definitely the prevalent force, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. if you were into scary monsters and nice sprites, or uh, that wasn't what was that Dead Mouse album. That was a bit after, but even yeah. when even when that album came out, like people would look at you a bit strange if oh, yeah. if if they caught you bumping that. So like, it's crazy to see how just in the last few years, even when it was taking off, I feel like there were like no girls in the scene, and now it's like very much balanced. That shows it's very much like widely accepted. A lot of people are into it, and it's like, I mean. N- Not only that, but it's also trended towards, like, getting heavier and crazier. And, like, people are fully embracing that. Just like they did when it was, like, from blues to rock to grunge to metal or whatever, you know. That timeline was, like, once this sort of, you know, vague style starts to become more popular, it gets, like, more and more extreme and, like, people become more embracing of, like, the extremes of it. So for, like, for me, you know, I remember the first time I, like, went to a rhythm show, like, back back before even that blew up, and I was like, man, there's, like, a very, like, even representation of people here. This is so weird. Because, like, going to metal shows back in the day, it's like, you got uh, skinny dudes and big fat dudes in the mosh pit, and it's like... Everybody's just just there, you know, just trying to, just trying to like muscle their way through. And there's maybe like that one poor girl in the corner, like trying not to get windmill kicked at the Death (laughs) Core show. But now it's like everybody's vibing to rhythm. Everybody's
3: like jumping in the mosh pits. And Trap is still playing to four people. Dude, you know what I will say about a metal show though is that if you get your ass knocked on the floor and you're in the circle pit, literally every single person around you will stop and pick you up i can't tell how many times i've seen this like metal is this weird exception of like anger and also community that understands that that this music is an outlet of anger and not necessarily that they want to like you might hear a lyric i want to wear your face like i mean depends how underground you get right but like a lot of (laughs) people are gonna yell that and not actually mean it like they're gonna like the anger and the intention behind it because they have anger as well but they're not like they're they're not as angry as all the lyrics would suggest right it's a weird like balance of supportiveness but i want to say on the on the like uh you know metal versus electronic thing i mean like I really think like you either adapt or die. Like for instance, Papa Roach uh, came up, you know, he was, he was popping off very, very hard about the same time that trapped was popping off with their little ditty. And uh, I don't know if you listen to Papa Roach's latest album or whatever, but it has a ton of electronic influence. It's almost mm. like dubstep metal hybrid, electronic hybrid. And Um, he's he's popping off much more than Trapped is right now. Look at
1: Corn, yeah. Bring me the Horizon
3: too. Yeah, you know. Well, bring yeah. yeah. Bring me the Horizon is fully next level with that shit. Like they have, if you listen to Nihilist Blues by Bring Me the Horizon, that's like almost a trance song. Really, dude, it's really like for them, like white forward thinking. Um, but it just goes to show, like if you are in it for the right reasons, you're going to understand what these other people are doing in the electronics sphere. If that's what we're talking about, you're going to look at it as, okay, what are they doing? You know, is there anything about this that I actually like? And there's probably one or two things. And then you can bring that into your music and make it just 5% more interesting than it used to be. Mm -hmm. It just takes a closed minded motherfucker to go, no, what you're doing is dumb. What I'm doing is cool. And <laughs> you guys should care more about what I'm doing because it's cooler. Like, that's just little ass shit.
1: Life's competition, bro. You're just losing. <laughs> Man.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. I think, uh, you know, it is, like you said, it's, it's adapt or die. And, and you know, as, as people start to embrace it, it's like everybody... I mean, like when Trapped was out or when Headstrong was like that big song, everybody was like sort of in that vein trying to emulate that. And it's like, if you keep doing that, when all of these clones come through and create a gazillion copies of what made you big, what are you going to have after that if you just contribute to those gazillion copies of that? So, you know, we talked about this a few episodes too. It's like, it comes to making something unique when it comes to developing your sound like all of these genres if you think about it are just like arbitrary collections of like similarities between tracks and there's enough of these tracks and people are like okay that's house that's rock that's whatever whatever but like your sound is also just an arbitrary like collection of you know characteristics in your music um or you know like attributes in in sound that you like to hear so if you just like pick and pull from all these genres you can create something without necessarily like having to be that innovative it's just like what did you grow up listening to what were you into five years after that and then five years after that and then take a few like characteristics from each of that and then put it together and make something that's uniquely you because as you start introducing more variables and pulling from that it's just it's going to be harder to emulate that combination of things but if you're like i make rock and that's like you you just pigeonhole yourself like that it's very predictable
3: yeah speaking yeah. of speaking of combining influences to make something uniquely yours uh seta what yeah. what are you making nowadays that you're really enjoying do you have any releases coming up soon that you're stoked about where is your sound heading
2: Hell yeah, man. Um, I have a Code Pandora remix coming out on ele- Ooh, the 11th. Ooh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah, like, and, it, and that's like, I, that was the first time I ever tried, like, real headbang music. You know what I mean? So, like, I, uh, I'm i stoked for everybody to hear it. Um, I'm I'm um, working on a lot of shit, man. Uh, I just finished an EP that I'm going to start pitching in January. Um, it's a Pokemon themed EP uh so yeah like it's a four track ep and it's all like one continuous thing so like, it's four tracks but it's they're all like they all blend into each other
1: it's like evolutions
2: <laughs> it, like it's kind of like yeah it just kind of tells a story it's like yeah i don't know like i try i try I tried to at least you know like it's my first time attempting something like that so it was a lot of fun and dude, i have
3: no concept of what that would even would you would you would you play us one or is that off limits
2: No, I can play you guys something. Um, Can I? Can I? Can I send it to one of you guys and you guys can play it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: I'll put my email in the chat real quick.
2: I can just send it to to the chat. Oh,
0: that works too. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, If it's already, if you got the link.
1: Yeah. Dude, as soon as you said Pokemon-themed EP, then my inner childhood spirit oh, i know it like woke right up a so
2: here is this is um a playlist with the uh, four tracks so you guys can play whichever one you like um yeah like it's um, your
3: favorite what we, what should we play
2: oh uh, shit man should i be, like my favorite or the one that like i like i think most people would like oh your favorite dude Shit, uh, it's it's a toss up between the first track and the third track, so you guys can pick. It's either Lavender Town or Fire Badge. Which Fire Badge was, I rewrote that like two or three times, and like, and it was a pain in the ass. And in the end, it was one of my favorites. I was like, but 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 Lavender Town, I think, is like, I don't know. Yeah, probably Fire Badge is my favorite though.
1: (laughs) Yo, before, hold up, hold up, hold up. Before we get into this, I gotta know more about this mask that you got.
2: Oh yeah! How like, did that uh, come to be? That was just a Halloween thing that I think I'm again. I'm just gonna run with it. Sick. And I'm like yeah, like I think like, I'm just gonna run with that. Um, you know, like for me, it's one of those things. Like if it sticks, you know what I mean. Like go with it. You know. So like that's kind of how the logo came about. So I'm I'm gonna be branding a little bit more with that, and when I play live, I'll have it on.
0: All right. Beautiful. So for our for our right. video, uh, our video participants on YouTube. Uh, this is that mask we're talking about right here. Yeah. That looks cool as all hell. Uh, Thank loving that cool mask. Thank um, you, guys. Man, uh, yeah, that's absolutely badass. And now we're gonna get a sneak peek behind uh, this upcoming EP called the Elite Four. Uh, here is Fire Badge.
1: Okay. Oh, we're not getting any sound. I don't, I don't think
3: you clicked, jerk Oh, your thing's muted.
0: Thanks a lot, SoundCloud. <laughs> Maybe
1: down just a tad.
0: Yes, sir.
2: I choose the-
0: You guys. Fire D,
1: bro. man i love the the restore and return like leading into the into the the midtro and the yeah outro. Mid-tro. uh so genius. dude I'm, I'm glad you like that
2: because all of the songs actually have that like they're kind of like uh like the effects on it might be a little different and stuff but leading mm-hmm. out into the midtro and the exit of every song except for the last song has like all of that so they're all they all have those like it's as, as if you're entering a battle exiting a battle you know what i mean type thing. that's
1: sick man i could definitely hear like the narrative structure along the song and i think you know for everybody else that just listened through the whole episode like you really embodied those concepts well and like the song has a very clear motif to it that you expanded on throughout and it just feels very cohesive and yeah like i said i love those
2: little (laughs) details i appreciate that guys thank you so much man for sure yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely any final words of wisdom you want to give to the people or or final pluggables to plug
2: man uh i i i don't know the only thing i can say is man is i hope everybody is staying safe out there and i really hope everybody is writing a lot of music and and and, and the one thing I want to say is, is write music for the listener, you know, what I mean? well, for listening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right now, you know what I mean? Making like the biggest, heaviest banger in the world, like isn't the most important thing. And I want people to really be creative. So I think we can take this time that we have with ourselves to push the boundaries and, and, and you know, continue the evolution of this music
3: absolutely dude well what you're making right now is absolute fire like we said fire fire back <laughs> and yeah uh, we really appreciate you joining us on this you dropped a lot of tidbits of wisdom and yeah it's just great it's great chatting with you man great having you on
0: yeah, thank you guys nice so much
3: time.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah we all
3: got to kick it
0: make sure to go follow Seta at Seta music s-e-d-a-m-u-z-i-c and uh, and be on the lookout for these new tunes.
2: Thank you guys so much. Really, you guys are all awesome, and I'm I'm stoked we all got to hang out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Super glad we got to know you. And to all the humans out there, peace among worlds. <laughs> I like it. Wow, humans, what an episode. Big thanks to Seda for being on. Make sure you go join his Facebook group community, Seta Heads. That link will be in the bottom, but it's S-E-D-A-H-E-A-D-Z. Now, again, big thanks to the Producer Dojo. That's the best place to learn music production online. All three of our illustrious hosts are senseis, AKA mentors there. Uh, the Approach with Seth Drake, where all of us have learned to really hone our high-level engineering skills. And Gangaroo Records Music Distribution, home of Unlimited Distribution for Under $10, where I Trap Jesus, have just recently released my Merry Trapsmiths EP. You can find that anywhere. Um, thanks so much humans as always subscribe, like, share, rate, review all those good things. to let the people know that this show is awesome. If you love us, you know, we love you. Let the people know. All right. Peace and peace among worlds.